Our scripture reading is from 1 Corinthians today, chapter 11. And it's, um, it's Paul chastising the church. Paul is chastising the church because they, they have taken something very sacred, very holy, and they've made it a, a thing of their own. A thing of their own, they, they actually bring a lot of food, and, and, uh, but not to share. They bring it just to eat themselves. They bring a lot of uh, fermented, wine, or fermented grape juice, some wine, and literally get drunk in the house. They're at the temple. Paul asked him at one time, don't you have a house to do what you're doing? It's just insane what you're doing. You have taken, a, and he names it, the Lord's Supper. He said, you've taken the Lord's Supper and desecrated it, and, and you're bringing, bringing um, punishment on everybody. It's just not a good thing. I think if Paul was with us today, he would probably, um, I don't know if he'd have to be more adamant about telling us how we've messed up communion, or if he would say, you're doing better, but not great. You're not doing great yet. It's one of, those, one of those things that we have in our hands that, that God has told us to do, that in baptism. He's told us that we need to do this to remind us of who we are and whose we are. So let me read uh, verses 17 through 26 of 1 Corinthians. Um, let's open our hearts to God's word today, okay? Now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you. Since you come together, not for the, the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, did you hear that? See, they're in the temple. When you come together as a church, they could be in somebody's house. It doesn't matter wherever they're at, if they're there to have worship. And communion, my friends, is nothing but high, high worship. I hear that there are divisions among you, and, and in part I believe it. For there must also be factions among you. He knows there is. That, that those who are appointed may be recognized among you. <clears throat> Therefore, when you come together in one place, is it not, not to eat, do you see it, the Lord's Supper? Is it not to do that? For in nothing each one takes his own supper. Uh, for in eating each one takes his own supper ahead of others. And one is hungry. <laughs> is hungry and another is drunk. My goodness. For uh, what, 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 what? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? I don't stink and think so. That's my rendition. <laughs> I do not praise you, for I received from the Lord, which I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took some bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup when the supper was over, saying, This cup, this cup is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this, this do, 
as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. My friends, my friends, this is the word of God for all of his people. Thanks be to God. Now when I say to you that communion hasn't changed much in these 2,000 years um, some churches don't even do communion. Some churches think it's not something that you, you'd ever want to do. And then some churches have it every week. And everything in between goes. Just about every, every church that I've been in just not just about, every church that I've been in, I take a time on Sunday morning to um, put myself aside. Uh, one church, they had a beautiful balcony that overlooked everything, and I would go up there. That was a big mistake. Because you know what happened when people walked in and they would not see anybody around? You know what they did, don't you? <laughs> they... <laughs> They complained about everything in the world, didn't they? Oh, it's too hot. It's too cold. Oh, Lord, look, it's Communion Sunday. I bet you we're going to sing all five verses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder where the ushers are this morning. You know, it was, I, I, I soon quit going up to the balcony. And, um, and I quit doing that because I couldn't take the pain. I couldn't take the thought that we would enter in, especially on Communion Sunday, feeling that way. One church I was at, it was um, a lot longer. It was probably two and a half times longer than this. And the altar seemed so far away. So I would come in early in the morning and spend an hour at the altar or more. And um, people would walk in and not see me up there. (laughs) That's pretty good. I was thin. They would not see me up there, and guess what they did when they walked in? And that church was, I hope this sound is turned on today. I'm telling you, I can't hear a word that guy says. <laughs> and they were talking about me and the choir and everybody else. And uh, finally, I quit doing that, and I just sat back by the, there's four doors coming in, and I sat back by the two main doors in the last pew, thinking that would solve the whole problem. They'd walk right in past me. Because they had a, we have an agenda when we come to worship. And the agenda is, you better darn well please me or I'm not going to be happy. Amen? Now, I know we're not like that. I'll move in case that's like <laughs> But I, I, I was really distraught when we would come into communion and the response to people that would say it. And I wondered how many people didn't say it but thought it. Oh, Lord, it's communion. We're going to be long today. I'll tell you how bad it is at one time. A couple walked in, saw that it was communion. I was sitting right there, sitting right there. Walked in, saw it was communion Sunday. And the husband looked at his wife and said, come on, let's go eat breakfast. And left. Because they knew it was going to be just an ugly time. Probably probably just be gone forever, you know? And I can hear Paul saying, do you think I should, uh, 
give you encouragement for doing that? And what would his answer be? A couple superlatives with no. I think, I think the reason of it is, is we think communion is always an add-on. We think communion is something we do the first Sunday of every month. So I like surprising you doing it on the second Sunday. That wasn't well taken care of at some churches. Don't do that anymore. I think we forget why, why we do it. So I have, this morning, I have a 12-point sermon that I want to give to you. Can you imagine? That's insane, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I'm going to give it to you in three weeks. Three different times. The next time we take communion, I'll give you another part of it. Because I think it's that important that we digest and consume um, this whole thought of what, what communion is. Probably um, one of the most dynamic things that happen. I mean, if we think about, if we think about communion and what it has done in our lives, um, if we think about what it did in the lives of those first century people. I mean, Jesus came into this dinner. It was a Passover feast. And I'm almost certain they went through the whole process. Because when we hear he got to the fifth cup, that's the cup he picked up and asked God to bless. So that means they went through the whole ritual of the Passover. And in one fell swoop, that night, Jesus changed everything. Jesus changed everything. And the very last thing that's done at that Passover is a a plate or something is broken and a loud crash happens and everybody screams, I'll see you next year in Jerusalem. And they've been doing that for 2,000 years. But then there are those messianic Jews who take communion just like us. Maybe one of these days I will tell you the difference in all the different attitudes of communion. That might help us understand, too. It's one of the most powerful things we can do. You know, baptism tells the world that we have a faith in Christ. Consuming this meal tells the world that we believe he died for us in a powerful way. And that we are going to remember that every time we can, every chance we get. So I think... This morning, I just want to share with you a basic, a basic um, tenet, a basic thought that we have about communion. And, and, and I want to share with you, I think, um, gosh, we could spend a whole year on this, just the purpose, the purpose that lies behind taking communion. The reason we do it, I guess. And I'm going to just give you three things, but there's a a whole list. I did a 40-page paper one time on just the purpose of communion. It comes like this, I think. The purpose, basically, in its its root, root place, is that we are to remember that's the purpose of, of communion. If you hear it closely, uh, in all the um, times that you see about communion, you hear that we are to um, remember so importantly that this is the presence 
of the Lord with us here now, today. Not 2,000 years ago, here with us today. We're not, we're not um, cel- uh, or, or celebrating or worshiping somebody that's dead, my friends. He's here at this table with us today. And I hope you often hear me say, when we bless the elements, that I, I say, Lord, just as you did 2,000 years ago, do it now with us here because you're here. Bless these elements. It's a table that we set at that he is the host and that we are here sitting around this table this morning talking with him, fellowshipping with him. And the problem of it is that, that, that we, why we need to remember is because we're thinking about something else. And we're not focused in on who Christ is. Who Christ is in our lives and what he's done for us. And we think that he's other, someplace other. No, he's right here at this table with us. I believe that completely. And he wants us to know that he's here with us. In our woundedness, in our hurts, in our pains, he's here in the midst of us. I think, I think if, we, if we would gain anything in this this morning, um, that we need to remember that the presence of the Lord is with us and keep that as the focus. So many things happen. So many things, I want to tell you, so many things happen prior to being sitting here, right here, right now, ready to take communion. So many things happen that are distracting from, and I think they're done on purpose, to distract us from keeping the focus on why we're here this morning to take this Holy Communion and put our faith and our hope and trust that God is sitting here with us. Focus is so easily lost. I I can't even begin to imagine that. a young mother getting ready, you know. I remember when Phyllis Ann used to get ready to go to church, and we were going to a large church at the time, and, and, uh, and especially in the springtime or the summer, you know, she would say to, I don't know why she said it. It was like, it was like she was saying, go do this, you know. But she would say to Sean, whatever you do, don't get dirty, we're going to church. And guess what Sean did? Okay, mom, I'll go get dirty. And she was, she was so frustrated half the time. By, she got, by the time she got to church, she sat down and said, oh. You know? You guys remember that? Anybody remember? You know? Gosh. It's hard to keep the focus. It's hard to keep our focus because there's so many things that are pulling us otherwise and other ways to um, keep our focus on Christ. It's so important as focus is is, friends. When you walk in here and you see um, the communion set up, we should rejoice. Oh, I get to do this again. Praise God. Leonardo da Vinci, I think he was around 42. I'm not real sure. Um, But the Duke of Milan, you remember the story, uh, came to him and said, uh, I would like you to paint me a picture of the Last Supper. Boy, oh boy, as a young man, 42, asked to do that. So he took the paint, and he painted this picture. And it took a while, uh, so the story says. It took a long term, long time to do it. When he was done with it, he was, uh, the story says he looked back and was extremely pleased as he looked at the picture of the Lord's Supper that he did. 
So he invited a friend of his over. He invited a friend of his over that was an art critic. And he said, here, I'm going to give this to the Duke. What do you think about it? What pops out at you? And the guy looked at the painting, and he looked at the painting, and he looked at the painting. And finally, he looked at Leonardo, and he said, you know what the, the key is to this whole painting? And I think Leonardo had his idea. But the guy said, it's that cup. It's the cup. I can't take my eyes off of the way you've painted that cup. And Leonardo da Vinci, it says, got extremely upset. Took his paintbrush up there and scratched over that cup. And he looked at his friend and he said, you missed it. The focus is Jesus. And if there's something else in there that's distracting you, let me know and I'll swipe it out. Wow, can you imagine? Now, for me, it says to me that if that's the true story, if that's the way it happened, and we have to believe historical records like that, Leonardo da Vinci was something a little bit special, wasn't he? Painted that picture. Have you ever really taken a close look at There's a huge picture at the, um, the upper room down in Nashville, Tennessee, a stained glass window. Have you ever been there, Pat? No? It's, a, it's a, just a beautiful stained glass window. Huge stained glass window. Anybody been to the upper room? Oh, you should, if you go to Nashville, go there. It is a beautiful place. It's just a beautiful picture. And the way the sun comes through it, and your focus is always on the face of Christ. I have a, I have a, a, it's not a painting, it's a mother of pearl. Is that what I'm talking about? You know that? funny white glass that changes different colors. A grandmother from Vietnam made a uh, picture of the Last Supper. I'll, I'll, bring it, I'll bring it next week and just set it up here. You should see it. She, she did it and she gave it to me. I said, oh, I, do. I mean, your kids surely must want this. And she said, no, I want you to have it. And uh, I was just overwhelmed, overwhelmed. And when you look at it, if you stay focused, you can see the focal point is his face. And that's what we need to do, is keep him in focus. That's, uh, that's the part that we need to remember, I think, more than anything, that the presence of Christ, the presence of our Savior is right here with us, and we need to stay focused in on that. And not let these things that are superficial, that distract us, take us away from that time here. I better move on. <laughs> I just find it amazing those stories though like that let me give you a, a thought not only are we are to remember that his, the presence of the Lord but also remember the uh, provision that he brings to us it's in verse 24 he says this is it this is what I bring this is my body which is broken for you do you hear that this is, this is my body which is broken for you Jesus tells us that I'm providing what you can't do. I'm making the provision for you to be able to get into a relationship with the creator of this world, one that he wants. I'm giving you the provision to do that. I'm giving you my body, my blood, my, my whole being. I'm going to have it broken and, and shed and, and literally beat up just for you. We need to think. Think about what Christ has done for us. 
And I guess the big, one of the big, uh, big ways we remember that is through the passion, Mel Gibson's The Passion. I've only watched it once. I can't watch it again. But um, it reminds us of what he did. I, I remember Phyllis and I were in a big theater, and there was, you know, big to-do going on, and we went with a whole bunch of church people. And I remember them beating Jesus up, and, and I don't know when it was, but it was, it was an awful long time, it seemed to me, that they were beating him. And, and, and towards the end of it, I screamed out, that's enough! <laughs> and everybody's looking at me, and nobody laughed, you know, nobody said anything because everybody was thinking the same thing I was thinking. That's enough, Jesus, you don't have to do any more for me. Hmm. That's, that's what we, the provision that he has done. He's given his body. Um, and we need to, to focus in on some questions of why did he do it? How did he know that I needed it? <laughs> Why did he love me that much? I often say, you know, and we often say as, as Christians, that Christ died for our sins. And that's scriptural, isn't it? Christ did die for our sins. But as I was praying about this, I come out with this thought. Yes, Christ died for our sins, but try saying it this way and see if it doesn't change the focus for you. Christ died because of my sins. Christ died for me, true statement. But instead of just saying that, you might want to say, well, Christ died instead of me. Because if I would have died, I would have been separated. He says, this is my body which is broken for you. I took a little liberties with God's word and said, this is my body which is broken because of you. That's the provision that we are facing today. That Jesus didn't die. He he didn't have to die. He could have called 10,000 angels. We know, huh? 10,000 angels could have come down and cleaned everything, cleaned the slate off, and it would all been done. We often think that, that, that uh, foolishness that the Romans did that to him. The Romans put him up there on the cross. We often think that it's the nails that held him to the cross. When if we, if we really focus in on this and remember why we're here today, None of those things put Jesus on the cross. It was simply his love for you and for me and for the whole world that he said, this is my body broken for you. Okay. So we have his presence and his provision. And then lastly, I think his passion. We need to remember these three things. Presence, provision, and passion. It's in verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We were serving a little church out in Sydney, Ohio. Two little churches out there. We went to seminary. And um, the one church, every Sunday they would take communion. And I loved taking communion there because I think she was 90 or older. And for a young person of 36, that's old, you know. She was real old. Now she's not so old. 
she was 90 and she would bake, I don't know what kind of bread it was, but it wasn't regular bread. And she would bake that every Sunday just for communion. And we would never break it up. We'd never tear it apart or anything, never slice it, never do anything. We'd take that whole piece of bread and then people would come up and pull a hunk off of it. It was, the best, it was the best bread in the world. It was the best bread in the world. It was, I mean to tell you, I can still remember it. And that was 50 years ago, 40 years ago. But it wasn't because of she made it. It was because of why she made it. And she said to me, I remember the passion that's all she said. I just remember the passion. And so when I make this bread, it's filled with passion. <laughs> and I, I suppose that's why it tasted different. I don't know. I have no idea. But I do know this, that the bread was different. And today we eat this bread. And it's different. It's different because we are asking God to fill this bread. And when we consume it, every part of his body and his blood goes into our system and, and the, just the passion of him saying, oh, this is for you. And I think when we come here on Sunday morning and we see that there, that passion should overwhelm us and we should anticipate, anticipate him coming to be with me, to consume me again. It's something that we should spend some time meditating on. That's where that passion comes from. And when we, pretend, when we take communion here in a few minutes, it will be different, not because we're different, but because the bread becomes different. Because it's filled with the passion of Christ. Father, forgive them. Hmm. It's finished. And everything in between there. That passion that hung him on the cross. That passion is what we're taking today. Well, we could spend a lot more time on the purpose of the Lord's Supper, but I think that's three essentials. Next time we take um, communion, we'll look at the preparation. How do we prepare ourselves for communion? Now, see, if you want me to, we could go another hour on that one. But I think we'd miss the point because it would be too long and we'd be too frustrated. We'd be upset, you know, because this guy's going to go on forever. So we're going, to, we're going to try to digest this today, digest the purpose. We, the purpose basically is to remember, to remember the Lord Jesus Christ, to remember everything that he's done for us, his presence his provision, and his passion. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you this morning. So much for your love that encompasses us at this time. We pray and thank you that indeed, indeed your presence is here with us at, at this very moment. We believe that and we trust that. We believe that, that uh, you have given us that great provision that thought that you, you have given us the ability to take this meal because you love us so much. 
because your body was broken because of our sin. And we thank you as we think about the passion of this time and understand that, that no one is more worthy to be remembered than you are. No one is to be more proclaimed in our lives than you are. And that no one in this world can nourish our souls as you do this day. So help us to remember why we come to this table. Help us as we continue in our worship of you this day. We pray in your son's name. And all of God's children said, amen. Let's continue on with our liturgy now. We remember him now in the meal he gives us today as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Without these words next, friends, communion is just bread and juice. These words have to be spoken. We pray, Lord God, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts. Make them be for us the lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in our hearts. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ and one with each other and one in ministry to all the world. Amen. Can I have the four folks that are going to help us come up right here at the beginning? that night that Christ was betrayed and he gave his life up for, him, for us, he took, his, he took bread and he lifted it up to his father and he asked him to bless it and then he broke that bread and gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat, this is my body broken for you. that meal was accomplished the end of the meal that fifth cup he took that cup of salvation lifted it up to his father and he said father bless this cup let it become my blood poured out shed for the sins of this world every time you take it he said remember that
So we're going to come up front this morning. You go first and switch around. Yeah. There we go. We're going to come up front, take the bread and the juice yourselves. One day we'll get back to intention, but we're not there yet. As close as we can. Everybody at home and wherever you're at, just take your elements and take them now. And then there's a basket over there that you can throw your cups in. But first this morning, we're going to ask the choir to come up first. And the choir's going to come up and take communion because um, they're going to sing a song while you take communion. So let's take this time of holiness and remember why we're here, to remember Christ this day. Come when you're ready. Come and let's take this Lord's table.
Let's stand together and we'll have our closing prayer, okay? Thank you, Claire. Probably one of the times I can count on my hand in these 41 years that I didn't take communion with Phyllis today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that's okay. You know why? 
God gave me a good picture of it. <laughs> With, uh, Pat and June. June grabbed a hold of Pat and walked her up there. And, and I think, when I say that that's the reason I go up with communion with Phyllis Ann is because we are together. We're one body. You know what I mean? And so Joan showed that to us today. We are one body, aren't we? Isn't that what this is all about? We prayed, God, help us to be one body with the same mindset to do, be a lighthouse on this circle here in this community and just tell everybody about his life-giving blood. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you so much for your great gift. Help us to change the way we approach it. And remember why we do it, the purpose behind it. And I hope, I hope that we have gotten just a little bit more of you in our hearts this morning. So that when we leave this place, you can use a little bit more of us. Amen? Use a little bit more of us to be in your kingdom's work as individuals and as a body. We thank you for these young people back here this morning and people that are helping them. And we thank you for this time that we can worship you today. We pray, God, that uh, your blessing would be upon all of us as we go from this place. Touch our hearts, change our lives, we pray in Christ's holy name and for his sake. And all of God's children said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. I even took care of your back row plans. <laughs> <laughs>